0: I'm Claire. And I'm Liz. And this is The Balancing Act, a podcast where we talk about... Law, life... And everything in between. Okay, so our last episode we talked about how you hire an attorney, and we kind of talked about the initial consult or the initial meeting. Now we're going to kind of delve into that a little bit more deeply, because there's more to that than just, hey, that exists as part of the hiring process. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you do, Liz, with your initial consult or when a client is, is hiring you for an initial meeting? So
1: first of all, I check for conflicts, right? So Make sure that there's not a person who, you know, on the other side, like an opposing party, who I would not be able to represent the client because of that conflict. Because maybe you already represented the boyfriend uh-huh. and maybe, in another yeah. thing. And I know confidential information that would adversely af- affect the former client or something like that. Right. Right. Um, Or if they're
0: your neighbor, that might be like, you might not have a legal conflict, but you might have more of an interpersonal conflict where it might not be a good case to take either. Exactly.
1: Then another thing that I like to do is make sure that they know that even at an initial consult, there are confidentiality rules. Yeah. So if I learn confidential information, that is confidential, even if they don't hire me.
0: Yeah
1: and if they bring like a a family member or a friend depending on the type of case i i do warn them that technically by bringing someone else into the consult who you know who isn't a party to the case technically that does affect the confidentiality or the attorney client privilege right it doesn't mean that i can go blabbering about what happened at that meeting but there's another person in the meeting who is hearing what's going on. And in theory, can they be called to testify? It's some weird. Yeah. uh, So,
0: so it affects the privilege. I think Mm -hmm. the confidentiality still sticks, but it's the, it's the privilege so that they could in theory be subpoenaed Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, what happened during this Mm -hmm. meeting? And of course that only applies if they're not a party to it. Right. So if you're, representing two people for the same matter like a bankruptcy mm-hmm. for example you might be representing a yeah. husband and wife mm-hmm. or a wife and wife or mm-hmm. whatever the case mm-hmm. two spouses yes let's be equal opportunity yes. here. but certainly that wouldn't affect the privilege it would be like if Someone was hiring you for a divorce and they brought their mom mm-hmm. or a friend yeah, or something like that.
1: And even though I'm bound by the confidentiality rules, your mom is, unless right. they're a lawyer and they're your lawyer, they're not. And so in that way, it technically affects
0: confidentiality. Although, again, not on my end. Right. And I, I think that usually it's a good idea to bring somebody, you know, it's like bringing somebody to a doctor appointment mm-hmm. where you're like... I know I'm going to get a lot of information. This is really overwhelming and big in my life. Uh I need a second set of ears. Yep. And so someone
1: level-headed who is not as emotional about the situation possibly. Right.
0: Or who could take notes during it or um, can help remind you, oh, no, remember the lawyer said this needs Mm -hmm. to happen first or whatever the case might be. And so as long as the client understands kind of those additional Considerations. I think having another person there is usually a good thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's also important to kind of find out
1: where in the process the person's case is. Yes, and usually someone's going to tell you, "Yes, I have court next week, right?" But it's it's good for Claire and I to know things like, "Has your case been filed? Have you been served? Have you served someone? You know, are we way in the beginning? You know, where are things at?" Yeah. Also, to make sure that if there is a court date next week, if
0: you hire me, will I be available, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, too, even if there's not a court thing that's coming up, if we know we have something coming Mm -hmm. up, you know, hey, you can hire me this week, but I'm going to be on vacation next week, that the client know that that that's going to because I need to get in touch with you. Mm
1: -hmm. You don't want them to feel like they've been, like... I don't know if this is the right word, but bait and switched, meaning like it's I like to tell people, yeah, if you hire me today, just, so you know, next week, I'm super booked or whatever. So that way they know like it's not always going to be like that, but their timing just happens to be like that.
0: Absolutely. What are some things that we need to take into consideration when we're talking to a client on the phone? So not a face to face meeting, Mm -hmm. but you know, either they've hired you and they're already your client and and you're having a phone consultation Mm -hmm. or they haven't hired you and you're having it. Either way, what are some phone rules or phone etiquette? Well, I guess first of all,
1: where are they talking to you? Are they in a restaurant where other people can hear? Are they at work? In the car with their kids. Yeah. Are they on speakerphone? Can other people hear, you know, if they're on speakerphone or you're on speakerphone, I guess, you know, are other people hearing the advice that you're giving?
0: Yeah. When I have a client on the on the phone, they'll say, oh, I'm putting you on speakerphone, or sometimes you can hear mm-hmm. that, which is fine. I just say, oh, okay, is there anyone else who's there, too? And as long as That's I a know great question that to ask. is, you know, their boyfriend is there or or whatever, because that has the same issue with the in-person meeting with the privilege, mm-hmm. even if they're in like a private room that if somebody else is there mm-hmm. listening on, which, again, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just we just need so, to know that yeah, we just need to know that. It is difficult sometimes if they're on the phone and they're in, like, a busy restaurant (laughs) or in the car with other people or um, they don't have a private space at work Mm -hmm. that they can talk. And it's one thing if it's just a quick three-minute phone call. Hey, did you get those documents? Mm -hmm. When can you get them signed? That's a different conversation than super personalized
1: advice about your important case. Yes. Yes.
0: Yep. Another thing that
1: I like to talk about with clients is I like to get a feel for what their expectations are. Yes. So that way I can know, first of all, like, because sometimes I might assume that I know what the outcome should be for them, but sometimes my ideas are not the same as theirs. And sometimes the expectations that someone might have might not be achievable in the legal system yes. as well, or they might not, you know... It might be great that you want that to happen, but that's, you know, a lot of Or work here are way. all yes. the consequences yes.
0: Yes. for that uh-huh. to happen. Yeah. And maybe, you know, your opinion on that might change now mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. what the consequences mm-hmm. of that outcome are.
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important to manage expectations yes. to it. So to let clients know, yep, this, this outcome that you want could happen. But this, you know, these other things could happen as well. Like this is your best case scenario. This is your worst case scenario. And I I really do want people to understand that because, you know, there's things happen that us as lawyers that we can't control. And we also can't control, we're not the judge. You know, we don't know what a judge might decide. We have, obviously we have our ideas But we don't usually have all the facts either at an initial consult. So it is really important to, to have an idea of what the client wants and to know, you know, to help them like understand what different sort of outcomes there can be.
0: Yeah, I think managing expectations is one of the most important things lawyers can do because then while the client might not be happy that Mm -hmm. it's going to take longer than they thought Mm -hmm. if they know from the beginning that a divorce is going to take more than a week yes or that you know signing an estate plan is is going to you know requires witnesses or Mm -hmm. whatever the yes you know kind of whatever they had in their mind from Mm -hmm. law and order or Mm -hmm. their you know their aunt's divorce or their aunt's probate or whatever the case might be that everyone's kind of clear as to timelines and outcomes, that they're not as surprised, maybe, mm-hmm. or as disappointed if mm-hmm. an outcome happens. Yes.
1: And managing expectations is hard sometimes because I feel like such a negative person sometimes when I'm like, that's great that you want this. And I'd love if that happened, <laughs> but here's everything that could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But I, do, I still think it's really important. It's part of our job.
0: Well, I always think, too, you know, you can kind of think about it like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. If your expectation is it's not going to be a great movie and then it turns out to be a, a good movie, you're going to think it's even better. Yes. And so if your attorney has set the expectations being that it is going to take six months for this to happen uh-huh. or that this is a possibility, mm-hmm. that way, if it only ends up taking four months or that possibility doesn't happen, you're going to feel way happier. Yeah. Then, um, if they said it was going to take a day, no. (laughs) Right. Right. If all of a sudden it's taking twice as long or kind of what you didn't want to have happen is happening. So one other question, Claire is,
1: I know that you like to kind of give an explanation, you know, like a basic explanation of the law. How do you know what to like,
0: how to explain that? Well, because I think you need to be careful not to give legal advice. Mm-hmm. But there is a difference between legal information and uh-huh. legal advice. Okay. And so, kind of how I look at it as legal information is what is basic information that everybody needs to know? For in a divorce, for example, everybody needs to know everyone's names.
1: Yes. And yes.
0: <laughs> unless there's some sort of sealed confidential thing where they live and where they're employed and whether or not there are kids. Mm-hmm. And so these are basic things yeah. that, that that the court requires by statute and everything else. And so if it's basic information like that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Legal advice is something very specific to their case. Oh, I want to move out of state. How will that affect my case? <laughs> yes, yes. That's a specific uh-huh. question that's based on your facts, that's kind of a, it can it can be a very close and very nuanced distinction, but I think it's really important before a client hires you that you're not just dispensing legal advice. Because as we've discussed before, if you don't have all the information, you could be giving really wrong legal advice. Thanks for listening.